Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to The State of Us. Beyond mainstream cable news and party lines, with a millennial and a boomer, the state of us pushes past the noise and uncovers all the issues that matter. Here's your host, Justin T. Weller. The Texas Heartbeat Act, or SB8, would ban, is banning most abortions in the state after about six weeks of pregnancy with no exceptions for rape or incest, according to the Wall Street Journal. You've no doubt heard about this by now it is definitely stirring the pot so to speak and we are looking at today what's the situation is it constitutional what does the law actually do and how is this affected by supreme court precedent and roe v wade more importantly i think lance and i are going to get into the greater conversation of where are we at on this it's been quite a while since the state of us last took on the issue And uh, I think you might be surprised to hear what we have to say. But of course, any conversation on abortion in the Constitution of the United States simply wouldn't be complete without. True Chat senior historian and an educator of more than 30 years. Here is your friendly redneck liberal, Lance Jackson. When you're talking about abortion, you have an inexpugnable issue. And that is the word of the day, inexpugnable. Five syllables, I-N-E-X. P-U-G-N-A-B-L-E. It is an adjective. It means something that cannot be defeated by force, unconquerable, unyielding. And I think that usually describes the majority of people when you discuss this issue, that uh, it's no matter what you do, it's very hard to convince them to believe differently or to change their minds, which is why it is has been a recurring issue in our country for so long um, is people have a hard time getting past what they personally believe and seeing the other issues and also understanding maybe some of the other issues that are involved. They, they try to paint it as a black and white issue that it's either right or wrong, you either feel this way or that way, and they don't see all of the little curves and twists and turns that are involved when you discuss it. And we're going to try to do some of that today. So what's up first, Justin? So we're going to look at Lance today. Um, as I mentioned, what does the law do? What did the Supreme Court say about the law? And uh, then we're going to look more holistically at the greater issue of the context of you know Roe v. Wade, but also where we're at just on the larger issue. So as far as the law itself goes, and this is from the Wall Street Journal, of course, it's linked on our website, thestateofus.org. The Texas Heartbeat Act, also known as SB8, was passed into law earlier this year by the Republican-controlled Texas legislature and signed by uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott in May. It says that a physician can't knowingly perform an abortion if 
there is a detectable fetal heartbeat. In practice, what this means is that basically most abortions are restricted after about six weeks of pregnancy, and it makes Texas the most restrictive state in the nation for abortion access. The act provides an exception for medical emergencies that could affect the health of the mother, but none for pregnancies resulting from rape or incest. The big key difference here, because you might say, well, haven't some states tried to do this before and it hasn't really worked? And, and you would be right, generally speaking, but here's, here's where the difference comes in, and this is key. The Texas law attempts at restrictions to severely limit abortion access are different because it creates a new enforcement structure that allows private citizens to bring a civil lawsuit fancy word for sue, abortion providers, and to collect at least $10,000 in damages plus legal costs per abortion challenged successfully. In addition, the law also uh, allows potential lawsuits against not only clinics and doctors, but also anyone who aids or abets an abortion, including insurance companies and transportation providers. And that, Lance, right, you brought this up to me before the show, that's a key legal difference between other attempts that have been made in the past. It's almost like a citizen's police force uh, giving power to those people who want to force their beliefs onto others. Um, the other part of this that I think is worth mentioning is the six weeks part. And that is that many people aren't even aware that they're pregnant uh, within that six week time frame. You know, well, my my period is late or or whatever, and they don't even start thinking about that, whether or not they might be pregnant. Unless, of course, you know, they're trying to become pregnant. They, they, they want a child or whatever. And then they're like, oh, this is the first sign and I'll run out and get it tested. So there, therein lies, I think, one of the other arguments is that you're making it almost impossible. But that's the point of the law, right? This is what the Texas legislature wanted to do. They don't want people to get an abortion. So therefore we're going to make it as difficult as possible. And it also goes with that age old argument that I know that you think is so narrowly defined. And that is <clears throat> the life of the child. We have a fetal heartbeat. So therefore the, the child is alive. And while that is a, a an argument that has, has been out there for a long time, you know, it's one of those that you have, you have a problem with, I know, because it's so narrowly tries to define the argument that has a lot of different arguments within the argument that need to be made that we tend to just overlook because we're going to simplify it because life is easier if, if things are simple, right? I mean, if, if, if life is, if it's simple, then we can all do it and take care of it and move on and live happily ever after. Oh, I mean, we have to discuss things because there are nuances and changes here. Oh, I don't want to do that. That's too much work. Well, it's a, it's a whole branding thing, right? On both, uh, on both sides of the equation, they have found a way that generally, uh, if you, if you extract it from the issue of abortion, right? And, and you set aside this, this trigger discussion for all of us in this country. And, and you just simply say something like, you know, I'm for women's rights, right? I want women to have rights. Most Americans, and I get that there's, you know, a percentage of Americans who don't think that women should have rights at all, but the vast majority of Americans, right, are going to say, well, yeah, 
I mean, absolutely, you know, women should have rights, of course, you know, and on the other side, you know, you're going to talk about uh, we shouldn't kill babies. Again, if we extract that from the abortion debate, yeah, I mean, maybe you're going to find some crazy people out there in this country. They're like, oh, yeah, we should kill babies, you know, but, uh, but obviously most of us are going to say, well, no, of course, you know, we shouldn't kill a baby, you know, obviously um, that's, we don't do that. That's not right. You know, uh, that, that would be bad. So they've both found, and, and that's my point there is they've both found um, to what you're saying, Lance, a very simple thing to pull out and say, well, this is easy to agree with, right? Mm-hmm. This, this simple notion if we just kind of don't attach it to the more complicated issue of, you know, when a person becomes a person, if we just separate it out, because when you talk about women's rights, you can mostly set aside the issue of, well, we're not talking about whether or not this person's a person and whether or not they're dying. You know, we're, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about this woman and her rights. You know, and on the other hand, well, oh, we're not talking about women's rights. You know, well, we don't care about women or their rights. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about babies and whether or not they're being alive or dead or whether we're killing them. You know, that's it. That's all we're talking about. You know, and, and the whole issue is that you can't separate. Right. The, the, <laughs> and that's the that's why the issue is a problem is because the two sides would like to only talk about what their portion of the conversation is. Right. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to acknowledge that you can't have their side without affecting the other side. And that's part of why this is a problem. And if you make it that simple, then we can decide and we, sure. can, move, and we can move on. Sure. But it's not that simple. And that's your point, in which I totally agree with. But it's just out that the Supreme Court is, or excuse me, that the Justice Department and Merrick Garland are going to take this, bring a case to court Correct. Exactly. Yes. So the attorney general of the United States um, is suing uh, the state of Texas over this law um, and that it comes in the wake of what the Supreme Court has said. And I think this is important to it's kind of a misnomer. What the Supreme Court has said is that they're not saying anything yet. Uh, So, you know, it's one of those. Well, the court said, you know, well, not really. All they said is that they're not they're not going to preemptively what they had been asked to do was basically, um, you know, provide like an injunction and stop. Right. The law from going into effect until a full case could be heard. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. They declined to intervene. <clears throat> OK, we're not we're not going to say anything at this point because right. they, too, understand that it's a <clears throat> inexpugnable issue. It's like, yeah, we're just not going to step in because we can't, we don't want to do anything about it either. Well, and uh, exactly. And they point out that the conservative majority in their unsigned, it's, you don't exactly call it an opinion because, you know, it's not per se an opinion that mentioned that, quote, there were serious questions regarding the constitutionality of the Texas law and then further acknowledged that the court might lack the jurisdiction to act because of procedural technicalities, which to Lance's point, as we had discussed before, that's part of why this law is unique. And you might say, well, what? And and that's what we were talking about with the, the enforcement of this, where the enforcement, so to speak, really doesn't lie with the state of Texas. And see, here's, and this is the big, right, difference is, well, the enforcement lies more with your everyday people and whether or not they're reporting this and and then it's a, it's on the civil side, right? And so, I mean, you get into, there's this whole other component that really with previous things hasn't been part of the equation. Um, 
And, and that's, you know, that's part of the issue. I mean, without going down into the weeds of what the other things are, the court's saying could be a technical reason. The attorney general, however, Lance, right, he's arguing part of his argument is the supremacy clause here, which is just saying that basically, you know, federal law, according to the Constitution, supersedes, you know, state and local law. And in this instance, because the federal government is still obligated, right, by uh, Supreme Court decision and the ruling of constitutionality to, you know, provide um, access to abortion providers and so forth, that the state of Texas is actually trying to step outside of what it can do by hindering what the federal government, again, by law, is obligated to do. So it's a very... And, and I know for a lot of people out there, it's like, again, we want to keep the debate simple, right? Because this isn't what the debate about. The, but the debate is going to be about the legality of doing this, not whether or not it's right or wrong to do this. You know, unfortunately, I mean, from a what happens as an outcome will be how good are the lawyers at arguing whether or not this technically can proceed based on all of these other laws and precedents that already exist. So what we're going to look at coming up, though, Lance, is we're going to talk more about the right and wrong of the situation, right? Because I, I, at the end of the day, if we could ever get that stuff answered and come to an opinion as a majority of the country, we might be able to get our lawmakers to actually put something in place that avoids some of what we have going on right now. And we'll also talk about the motivation behind the law. Why do you think uh, this is taking place? Send us your thoughts. Uh, you email us, podcast at thestateofus.org. We'd like to hear from you. So what are the motivations for it? To find out, keep it here on The State of Us, and we'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the state of us. Here's your host, Justin T. Weller. The new Texas abortion law went into effect. The Attorney General is suing. The United States Attorney General is suing. The Supreme Court has declined to intervene, at least for now, although they acknowledged that uh, there could be some issues with this. But why is all this happening? Well, if you ask Governor Abbott, right, it's got to protect those unborn children. However, and I, I think this is an important caveat, forget a minute whether or not you like Governor Abbott, but let's talk about why he's really doing this. I have a sneaking suspicion, Lance, that it has something to do with uh, the potential run for president, right? And the desire to win the Republican nomination in the primaries. Ever since Roe v. Wade in 1973, 
they're the opponents of that decision have been writing laws and having them struck down in court or being accepted. And so to your point, this is the the newest law, but also now the hardest one to challenge in court because as the Supreme Court has made decisions over the last 48 years, it has narrowed the vision of those who want to overturn Roe v. Wade to where, well, if we write it in a certain way, it might pass muster in the Supreme Court, which is why we're getting to this point. And yes, I think it's, but it's political too, right? On President Biden's part to tell Attorney General Merrick to, we need to challenge this. So on both sides, they're not, I mean, I would hope that they're concerned about what they say they're concerned about, but for both of them, it's political. Yes, the Texas governor has been mentioned as a shortlist candidate for the Republican nomination for president. You know, of course, all of this jockeying. So as DeSantis from Florida, Tom Cotton, the senator from uh, Arkansas, you know, there, there's a whole list of people that are jockeying for a position before the 2022 uh, congressional elections to see how much interest is there for them to run and how much money can they get. And obviously, any free publicity you can get from the job that you currently have makes the name recognition that much greater when you start the process. And as we've talked about before, the primaries are different from the general election, right? We know that the people who vote in the Republican primaries tend to be more conservative. So you end up with a more conservative candidate because you those are the people who are you know are the base of the party that are going to go out and vote. So to do something like this gives you a better chance to win in the primary. Now, does it make it harder for you to win the general election? Sure. And then you can make the same argument for the Democrats, right? That the Democrats that go out and vote in the primaries are more liberal. And so you have to take a more liberal stance if you want to get the Democratic nomination. And then it makes it harder for you win, to win the general election, which, oh, guess what, is decided by the people in the middle, the independents, and the folks who don't have those political agendas. Yeah, this is what's going on. I mean, to your point, the governor of Texas is trying to to ratchet up the base of conservatives so that he can be one of the top runners for the office of president in 2024. And the politics component, you know, I think we mentioned because Lance and I try to consistently for our listeners point out that, look, none of this is devoid of that, right? I mean, the Texas governor may very well personally, internally, you get him alone, right? He really does feel this way and he feels strongly about it. And that's part of why he did it, you know, but to say that he didn't do it for political motivation, you know, come on. Same thing with President Biden and his attorney general. Well, and when you were watching his press conference, Governor Abbott, when asked the questions, well, you mean women who are raped or in, you know, are, are they're no, they don't have the right to an abortion? He goes, we in Texas, we're going to get the rapist. We're going to didn't answer the question at all about how it affects the person carrying the child. It was, we in Texas are harsh on crime and we will get all those rapists and we will stop rape in Texas. I mean, come on, if that's not a political sure. statement, you know, I mean, should you be doing that? You bet I'm all for it. That, that's something you should be striving to do. 
but you should be striving to do that whether there's a different abortion law or not. It, the, the, the abortion has nothing to do with trying to stop people from harming other people. That should always be the role of the government. That's why government exists, right? In, in the big, well, supposedly. In the whole big yeah. scheme of things, the reason, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg, people created the government to protect us. Otherwise, we don't need the government. You know, we, we can't protect ourselves, so we have a government who's supposed to protect us. So when the government says, well, we're going to stop this so you can be protected, it's like, well, duh, yeah, that's why I, I allow you to make rules is because I really don't want you to run my life, but I need protection. So, oh, you're going to protect me? You shouldn't have to announce that you're going to protect me. That's why you exist as a government. One of the technical arguments, Lance, that I can foresee being made with this law, while to your point, it's clearly been written by people over the years that have learned what will and will not pass muster, is that the act provides an exception for medical emergencies that could affect the health of the mother, but none for pregnancies resulting from rape or incest. And I think what the argument's going to be, what'll be challenged here, is that you're going to have a doctor at some point, right, that says, the health of the mother is at jeopardy, the psychological health of the mother is at jeopardy, right? Because sure, it, uh, it doesn't say what type of health we're talking about, right? It just says the health. So, so now I've got a, as a doctor, right? My patient's psychological health is in jeopardy and, and I am, and therefore this is a medical emergency and we got to do something about and it. And if I'm the doctor and I say it's a medical emergency, what are you going to do to say I'm wrong? And the, but the point is though, where are you going to get, I mean, you're going to find a doctor that's going to be willing to do this, right? And test this at some point, Sure. but it's going to be hard because there's going to be a lot of doctors like, nope, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Not because I, not because I don't feel that way or whatever, but because it's just not worth it. Right. I'm not going to be made a national spectacle of risk my career, you know, that nope, not doing that. You know, um, now if somebody else does it and we find out that we can do that and it's legal and it's no big deal, great. But I'm not going to be the person to test whether or not it's okay to do this, you know? And, and, and so, and that's the point, right? I mean, they're not stupid. They know that somebody's going to challenge it on those grounds at some point. But in the meantime, you're going to, you're going to dissuade you know, probably hundreds, maybe thousands of doctors from doing that very thing, partly because they're not going to be the person, right, to walk out on the limb and 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 basically stick their neck out and say, you know, hopefully it doesn't get chopped off here because it could. I mean, right, because the court could also say, nah, you know, we know what the law was meant to say and you're trying to use it in a way it's not supposed to. And now you're in the middle of a, you've been found to do something that's not legal and, you know, so that'll be an interesting thing to see the test of. But I think you said something important, Lance, which is that the government's purpose is supposed to be, right, to protect the people. And to me, that's what this comes down to. The the fundamental question that we have not answered, right, as a society is when do we become people? Because we focus, like I mentioned in the first half of the show, all on this whole thing, right, about you know, we're either killing babies or, or we're hurting women and taking away their rights. And, and to me, both of those things don't answer to, to, for what to me is the central component to the question of under what circumstances, at what point, right, in our existence as a, as a being, do we become a citizen per se of the United States? Because at that moment, 
The government now has an obligation to protect me and provide for my rights. And it gets more sticky, right? Because, well, okay, you're right now the way it works is when you're born is kind of when you get some of your rights. You get some of your rights before you born, before you're born, and then you get some more rights when you're 16, and then you get some more rights when you're 18, and then you get like all your or most of your rights by the time you're 21. Well, then they start to take your rights away when you get to be 65 because then you get too old. They're gonna take your driver's license away from yeah, you. Yeah, well, they're gonna do this. Or... You get you get some new things, but we take away <laughs> some other things. Right. So yeah, but and, and the point here is, I mean, making light of it, but I think it's an important. We don't acknowledge that, right? Because we all like to think of it simply as, yeah. well, I, know, I have my rights. I'm a yeah. citizen. I have I'm these rights. I've always been a citizen, but you haven't always been. Right. But in know? the classroom, I used to tell you guys, remember, that the people who are the least represented by rights are those under the age of 18. So, so when you talk about this issue, it's it, it goes along with everything else that we do. Because, yes, you have rights if you're zero to 17 or zero to, you know, seven, 17 and 361 days or whatever. <laughs> but that group of people, we are allowed, the, the courts have allowed for certain things to be done to them that we don't allow to be done to 18 year olds and older. This is the way the system works, right? That, okay. Cause people are saying, well, wait a minute, Texas passed this law. Doesn't Texas have the right to put his law into place and do what they want? That's why we have a court system. You know, the court system is in the Constitution, people, right? It is one of the articles in the Constitution. So you can't just pass laws because we have a court system that's supposed to make sure whether or not the laws go along with the Constitution. And it's not only a systematic question and a question of how the government functions, but a question of superseding rights. And that's what we need to talk about coming up because this is an inexpugnable issue. And uh, and with most of these issues, we don't always have to think about, but in this case we do, the, the notion of superseding rights. And that is all fine and dandy, right, when the government's protecting your rights against the general whatever. But when you get into any legal situation where, well, person A has rights and person B has rights, or the state of Texas has rights and the federal government has rights, it gets sticky, right? Because it's whose rights are more important right? Who gets the more rights? And that's exactly what we have to talk about coming up. Keep it here on The State of Us, and we'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the state of us. Here's your host, Justin T. Weller. I'd imagine most people understand why the issue of abortion is so inexpugnable, but we have to look at this issue of superseding rights because uh, this really is part of the sticky wicket, so to speak, that's not been addressed. And, and this is what I was referring to in the beginning of the show. In, in case you haven't figured out, I'm going to tell you that I'm one of those Americans that has a hard time on this issue. Um, 
Do I think that women have a right to uh, control their health? Yes. I think all Americans have a right to control their health. Uh, do I also think that, uh, or do I also struggle with the question of when a human becomes a human and therefore when do they also have the right to control their health? Yes. I also struggle with that question, which is why I struggle with this issue. Okay. Because I don't think that we've answered. I have not personally been able to answer when a person becomes a person. Because, and let me just let me just explain this, lay it out a little bit, right? For example, if a if a person becomes a person, the minute that their heart beats, such as in this law, well, now we have this issue, right? Of, well, the person carrying the child has rights, and the child has rights. So, whose rights are more important? You know, and if you ask each side, well, they're going to say, well, so, you know, they, they don't have rights, you know, it's well, or it's not about that. You know, it's about saving the child. Okay. But, but no, to save the child, you have to violate somebody's rights. And on the other, on the other side of it, if we're accepting that that's when you become a person, right? At the moment that the heart beats, well, in order for your rights as a woman to be satisfied, you now have to violate the rights of another person, you know, and that's, nobody likes to look at it that way because that makes your argument tough, Right. Oh, well, I'm not, you know, they're my rights. Oh, you're right, they are. But somebody else's rights are involved. And we've always talked about on this show, like with COVID, right? You have the right to do whatever you want as long as, and this is always the key, as long as it does not infringe on somebody else's rights. And that's been a longstanding issue in the history, right, of issues in this country. Gay marriage was an example of that. The argument was made, right? And is still made and is still debated. Do I have to serve, if I own a private business, somebody who walks in here, right? Who is black or who is gay or who is whatever, right? Because my personal belief, my rights say that I shouldn't need to. Well, but their rights say that you do. And, and those are the types of issues that I think historically, you tell me if I'm wrong, Lance, those are the ones that have caused some of the most turmoil in the country is when rights are in conflict. Therein lies the crux of the matter that we have these differing opinions and it's up to the courts to decide where we go with each one. My whole thing has always been with this and, you, you, you know, we're, we're kind of burying our souls here is I have a hard time being a male telling females what to do. And I've always agreed with the argument that if men had to, if, if our species, the males had to produce the babies, what law would we have? Because I think that is something that, that yeah, we kind of talk about it. We're like, well, that's stupid, you know, because women have the babies and da 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 And so why, well, that's not even, that, you know, that's just counterintuitive. Why should we even have that argument? But it's like, there's, there's to me, there is a lot to the point of who am I as the male of the species who does not have to carry the baby? <clears throat> what right do I have to make this decision for someone else on the species? And I'm not trying to get into the minutiae here or all that kind of stuff, but I've really kind of, that's kind of where I step back and say, yeah, that's a valid point to me. And it's something I've, I've felt that way since I was a teenager because I became a teenager when this all came to fruition in 1973, 
that was when I, you know, so this was something that I have lived all of my teenage and adult life with. And it just really made sense to me when women's rights advocates would argue it's our body who are you group of men to decide what we do with it. And I know, you know, probably going to get the emails and well, don't you care about kids and da, da, yeah, I spent my entire life teaching children. I've had two of my own, you know, um, both of which are daughters. But at, there's there comes a point where I, I I see that side of the argument, and you know. But to your point, you're splitting hairs. Is it is it at inception? Is it once you're out of the birth canal and you're breathing air on your own? When do you then get your rights? And to your point in, from segment two, how many rights do you have at those points? Because you don't have full rights of citizenship when you come when you come out and breathe air on your own for the first time. You don't. We don't let you have a driver's license. We don't let you do this. We don't let you do that. You know, we make decisions for you all the time until you get to be 18 years of age. So what rights do you get once you are born or once you are conceived or once there is a heartbeat. You're, you're almost pulling a, you're sounding like a, a Thomas Jefferson here to us and our, you know, what, what right do we have to well, if bind, I have to, if I have to sound to bind like, another? Yeah. If I have to sound like somebody, I will take that as a compliment that I sound like Thomas Jefferson. So it's, I, I appreciate that. In 1789, he wrote to James Madison and said, the question whether one generation of men has a right to bind another seems never to have been started either on this or our side of the water. Yet it is a question of such consequence as not only to merit discussion, but place also among the fundamental principles of every government, the course of reflection in which we are immersed here on the elementary principles of society has presented this question to my mind, and no such obligation can be transmitted, I think, very capable of proof. I suppose it to be self-evident that the earth belongs unsuffruct to the living, that the dead have neither powers nor rights over it. And this is a greater conversation that's had over time about Thomas Jefferson pointing out his skepticism about any of us having the right to impose restrictions on others. The problem here, of course, and the, the common counter to it is then you can't have government because the whole notion of government is based around me and Lance or you listening at home or whoever making decisions that affect the rights of other people. Right. Um, and, and that, and it's tough because I mean, you know, he has a fair point, which is what right do Lance and I have to make any decision, you know, about how somebody else handles their health, you know, at the same time, our, our entire system of orderly society is built upon some idea that we all agree to abide by a set of rules that some other people on high have decided that we have to abide by. Um, and, and this issue, uh, I mean, and I think Lance's point is very fair. You know, I think it's a very uh, valid point of um, who are we to tell somebody else what to do of, of their health? The, the issue, again, that still comes into play for me is we protect 
you know, or we're supposed to, our society, right, is supposed to protect uh, those who cannot protect themselves. And, and and that's where you get into conflict with, no, I, I do do me, Justin, do I have the right to tell some woman what she w- should do with her health? No, I don't think so. But I also think that I have an obligation as a citizen of the country to protect people who can't protect themselves. And you say, well, are you saying that a fetus is a child? That's the question we haven't answered. And then once we answer it, we get into, again, that further issue of now what, you know, whatever we decide that is, because there's also people that have made an argument and this may be, you know, repugnant to some people listening out there that you're really not a person until like you're two or three years old when you have, when you first have the ability to understand that you, that you have a sense of self, right? In other words, you can see in the mirror that that is you and you know, that's you. And that's what makes you a person. Okay, so does that mean that you can just kill a, a one and a half year old? Oh, no, of course not. We can't do that. You know, absolutely not. You know, okay. But the, that's to to the point. The flip side of that is also uh, the, the issue at, at play here is we have not answered that question. Uh, or we have sidestepped it and thereby answered it in a very gray and unclear sort of way under certain circumstances, X, Y, Z. You know, which unfortunately, and this is my contention, is a disservice to everyone. It's a disservice to the women who are stuck in a terrible, precarious position because we continue to have this conversation and it changes and it's not fair, you know, and it's a disservice uh, to our future generations because we have not done a clear job of establishing when these people become people, you know, at what point do they cross from being a, you know, sack of cells to something that we as a society have an obligation to protect. And in the meantime, we need to have that discussion. But that's why we do the show, right? I mean, to, to I your point, we're, we need to have that discussion, but we still have to do something in the meantime while we're having that discussion on when it is viable. You and I are having the discussion, but we need other people to have to have that discussion, right? Set aside these you know, preconceived stuff that we're doing and, and have the honest conversation. Cause I think if nothing else, that's what some of our founding fathers who had some of the greatest conversations like Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, that's what they would have tried to do to answer the question is have what we're having, right? Which is the conversation. And that's what we do here at True Chat, right? I mean, that's our mission. We're trying to educate people by providing honest, open, and respectful conversations. And that's what we've had today that, you know, you can hopefully tell Justin and I don't necessarily agree on this issue. We agree that we need to discuss it deeper than we do, that we need to have a, a maybe a different conversation, but we can still sit here and talk to one another about this issue and leave friends and understand each person's side of it and then hope to do better to make it the greater good for all. And if you like that kind of stuff and you've enjoyed the show, make sure you tell your friends and family about it because we think that that's the way to solve all the problems that we have is that we, we need to be able to talk honestly and openly with one another and still remain friends because we do it in a, because we've talked in a respectful manner. And if people say, well, that sounds like the kind of show that I would like to listen to. Tell them they can find us on Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are found. As people take away from this show, I hope that people take away that I I don't try on this issue to be against anybody. I want to hear what people have to say because I think, I hope 
that what our mission is, what Lance just shared, that's how we arrive at a better understanding. It's okay to say that you're not sure. And it's okay to say that you want to hear from more people and that you want to know what they have to say. Because that's the only way that we get to some kind of hopefully informed opinion about something. And that, and that's, I think, what we're trying to do. I don't know if we're getting it done, but it's your job to let us know. Send us an email, podcast at thestateofus.org. New episodes are available Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, of the podcast. And you can also find uh, select episodes on the weekends in Talk Market radio stations across the country. So check your local AM and FM station, see if they carry the state of us. And if they don't, we'd sure appreciate if you'd call them up and say, hey, why don't you got this show? For the State of Us on True Chat in Urbana, Ohio, I'm Justin T. Weller. I'm Lance Jackson. Special thanks to our producer, Bradley Butch, and thank you all, our audience, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Be the change. Be sure to check out our website, thestateofus.org, for books, articles, and all the ways to tune in thestateofus.org.